What's going on? Welcome into the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson. Hope everyone is having a great start to their weekend. The Pelicans will wrap up their two-game homestand tonight as they take on the Detroit Pistons. And before we get into everything, joining us now is James Edwards. He's been on the podcast before, and he covers the Pistons for the Athletic. He's here in New Orleans to cover tonight's game. James, how are you? I'm doing well, Daniel. Appreciate you and Jim having me on. Uh, yeah, it should be a, a riveting basketball game mm-hmm. tonight. Well, let's hope it's a riveting one, and I know one of these teams has to lose, but uh, we're hoping at least the Pelicans can get back on track. But look, um, look, it's been a struggle for both teams. I think it's it's fair to admit that. Uh, but Pistons are now on a ten-game losing streak, four and twenty overall. And look, I was reading your article yesterday about the rebuilding process. So I know probably the record is not what they want, but is this kind of what they've expected with such a young team right now? Is is kind of where they are right now? I mean, I think so. Do they do they expect maybe a few more wins? Yeah, probably, but. I mean, Cade Cunningham didn't play um, until October 19th was his first game. He missed all of tra- training camp and preseason with a with an ankle sprain. And, I mean, they just got a really young team. They, they Their big free agent signing this summer was Kelly Olenek. He's been out for four weeks with a knee injury. He still has another two weeks to go. Um, it, it, it's, it's a team that's lost a lot of – they've shot themselves in the foot, for, for lack of a better term, a lot, especially as of late. Uh, they had – OKC down by 18, gave up 44 points in the fourth to a Thunder team that, I mean, are they better than Detroit when healthy? Yeah, probably, but you shouldn't give up 44 points in the fourth quarter to anybody in the NBA, no matter if you're rebuilding or not. Uh, came back against, who did they play the other night? Sorry, it's all, it's all starting to blend. Oh, the Wizards. Washington. Yeah, yeah <laughs> came back against the Wizards, forced OT. So they're scrapping and clawing a little bit more. The three balls falling, and that's helping them stay competitive, but they got to learn how to win games. And as you guys know, that's like the biggest thing with young teams. Uh, fans in Detroit are up in arms and a little uh, – they don't understand why why this team can't close out games, but it's like you got to learn to win at this level. And, and and that's the biggest, I think, hurdle for young teams to take as they, as they start rebuilding. Absolutely. The Pelicans 1-9 and nine in clutch time this season and they had another tough one the other night against Denver, so we definitely know about that. Before we get to Jim, though, um, also part of your article is talking about head coach Dwayne Casey. How – how much has he been, you know, a key to this rebuild, having a veteran coach like him to kind of help out with these young guys? How, how big has Dwayne Casey been to this organization? Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's a guy that just is – he gets it. He understands. He came to Detroit to try to win um, a few years back now, and it didn't work out. The health of Blake Griffin really kind of pivoted the, the organization's thought process and, and forced everybody on board to kind of look at it and say, yeah, it's probably best if we do a rebuild. And – Last year, I don't know if you guys remember, but the Pistons were in a lot of games. Obviously, they were one of the worst teams in the league record-wise, but they gave every team, good or bad, a a fight. Uh, They were one of the more competitive rebuilds in recent memory. Uh, This year hasn't necessarily been the case, but the team is younger than last year. There wasn't a month and a half of Blake Griffin and Derrick Rose. Uh, No Wayne Ellington, who was shooting lights out last year for this team. Um, it's, it's, this year has been a little difficult. Some, some young guys have taken a step back, but I think that's just some sophomore slump stuff. Uh, but I think Dwayne has an understanding of what it takes to build a program. He did it in Toronto. Um, he obviously showed it last year in Detroit. I think now it's just getting the young players to, to get out of a little bit of a funk. And I think they're going to start, I think they're going to rattle off some wins here. Um, I, I think things are going to look a little bit brighter. I don't think they're going to be good by any means, but I think things are going to look a little brighter. And Dwayne's steady presence, I think, helps with that. James, you mentioned Cade Cunningham, and I think the fact that he 
you know, did, had a late start to the season and didn't get to be part of preseason. Um, it seemed like after the first week or so that he played, people were maybe nationally were concerned that he got off to a slow start and he wasn't shooting the ball well. But obviously lately he's been tremendous and he's had a bunch of great games where he's looked like the guy that everybody expected as the number one pick. Um, how much of the way that he's played lately is just him recovering from the injury and getting back physically and how much of it do you think is just him getting adjusted to the, to the NBA and, and, you know, just excelling because of that? I think it's a little bit of both. I know that's a cop-out answer, but if you just look at what he struggled with uh, when he started, it was, he couldn't hit the three ball. Uh, I think he started over 20 from three. And I think anybody that's watched him know, knew that that, that wasn't sustainable. Um, mm -hmm. We knew that he could shoot. It was just a matter of getting his link, his ankle back under him, getting conditioned well, um, getting used to NBA length. And one thing that's impressed me that I thought he would struggle with after seeing him at summer league, and, and it really showed itself in the Wizards game the other day, his ability to take guys off the, off the dribble. I, I think if anybody had a knock on Cade, who was pretty much as flawless of a prospect as you could get coming into the draft, it was yeah. his lack of explosiveness, uh, wasn't, was not a great leaper, doesn't have the quickest foot speed, uh, but he's found ways to get to the hole. And I think he's learned uh, not to challenge certain guys. I think he's learned how to get a shot off around the rim. And the big thing for his success as of late is the three balls falling at, a, at over 50%. Again, that's probably not sustainable, but either was 17% through two weeks. He's probably somewhere, I think, when the dust settles, he could be a low 40% guy, high 30s. Like, I think he's a, a really good shooter. Uh, but I've been impressed with his way, his ability to, to get to the hole and finish. Um, and I think that's really helped him out, especially as of late. And I think a lot of that just comes down to learning personnel, learning uh, closeouts, learning length in the NBA, foot speed, help side defense. Uh, I think it's he's a smart kid, and it's just it takes a little bit. Sure, yeah, you know, I think part of the the I don't know quote unquote problem with the conversation with him early was that, as you mentioned, some of his shooting stats were just really poor. But it was kind of the combination to me of really small sample size of he had only played three or four games, and it also seemed like Detroit had these weird a couple weird stretches where they had a bunch of days where they didn't play. So yeah. you have like a week long conversation about how he's shooting poorly, but he doesn't really have a chance to improve it because they're not actually playing games. So that was kind of a quirky start. Yeah, it's um, a good point. I've, I've been impressed by the way he's played. I mean, I'm sure he's one of the guys, the, the guy that I think Pelicans fans on the Detroit roster are the most interested to watch tonight. So mm -hmm. um, I know we've had you on before previous drafts and no offense, but, I'm sure Detroit fans hope that we don't have you on too many more of the future <laughs> lottery previews where we talk about, and we don't want to be part of it either. We talk about the, the 14 teams that are picking at the top of the draft each year. But I think one of the parallels between the two teams, the Pistons and the Pelicans is obviously that they've had multiple first round picks over the last three years. It's not like they've just had three picks. They've had, you know, extra first rounders and extra, chances kind of at to take a swing at get, getting um, some prospects. I, I guess I was wondering, you, you mentioned, you know, that, that part of the struggle has been that some of the young guys that they've drafted haven't taken off this year. They maybe have played the same or, or taken a step back. Um, I was wondering what are your thoughts, I guess, on the progress of some of the other younger guys that they've picked, obviously Killian Hayes and Sadiq Bay are among the players that they picked in the first round recent in recent years. Yeah. I think Sadiq Bay has been the one that's, uh, if you ask the fans, a, a little head scratching, and it's not necessarily. I think Sadiq is going to be fine. 
Um, he's trying to create more for himself, do more off the dribble. And that's been up and down. He's struggled with that. But that's part of the, a young player learning what he can and can't do. I, I don't think many Pistons fans are upset with that. I think the one thing that they could rely on him was three-point shooting. And he just has not shot the ball well at all. And this is a guy who has shot the ball well at every level. I mean, his sophomore year at college shot, I think, 43% from three. Uh, last year, first-team all-rookie shot 38% from three. Mm-hmm. So we're getting deeper into the season. We're still – we just passed a quarter of the way. I still believe that Sadiq Bey did not learn how to – did not forget how to shoot. I think it's going to come around eventually. Uh, but it, it, he's definitely struggling, and, it, and, it's, been, and it's, been, it's been tough on him. Um, I think that's a big reason the Pistons don't have more wins is I think they were uh, they're 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 lacking a little bit of three point shooting. And he was the one guy that I thought everybody believed could bring the consistency from from that spot. Um, Killian Hayes, offensively, he's shown some strides. It's been incremental. He's he's improved at getting to the rim. He's improved at getting to the free throw line. I mean, I think he might have already taken more free throws this season than he did all last season. Granted, uh, he he missed three months last year as a rookie. Um but defensively, he's he could you can make the case he's the best on ball defender, best pick and roll defender the Pistons have. It's just just offensively, while his shooting has improved, he's not a volume shooter. Uh, you, you just got to see more of a sample size. But he has taken incremental steps, so that's a plus. But and then Isaiah Stewart, a, a guy that I believe that the Pelicans liked in the draft last year, um, he's still the same, uh, hardworking. He's now the 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 anchor of the defense. Um, I think one thing fans want expected to see more is him spacing the floor a little bit more because he showed signs of it last year, but he hasn't taken very many three-point attempts this year. Um, Dwayne, I think, has been kind of slow, intentionally slow and putting too much on his play. I think he just wants him to be a rim runner and, and, and be forceful in that regard right now. But I think as the season goes on, you'll see Isaiah stepping out a little bit more. So it's not necessarily that these young guys haven't improved. It's I think people expected bigger leaps because they were good as rookies, but this, the big thing here is they're no longer secrets. Sadiq Bay is not a secret anymore. And he's near the top of the scouting for Isaiah Stewart's not a secret anymore. Killian Hayes is, is, is a guy that is, I mean, he's sharing ball handling duties and you guys know for young ball hand, it's young ball handlers it's like being a rookie quarterback in the, in the NBA. So they're just, they're just earning their lumps. Uh, Frank Jackson, the guy you guys are familiar with has been phenomenal. Um, so there are other young guys aside from who was drafted that they've brought in. Hamadou Diallo has been solid. Uh, so there's, there's been some positive signs if you're a Pistons fan, but I think the core of what uh, the, the team is kind of present used as a presentation for the future has, hasn't been as great as they'd hope outside of Cade. Yeah. Um, you know, I think another kind of similarity between these two teams, especially this season is that, as you mentioned with Olenek, the Pistons have, had had some injury issues with, especially with Cade Cunningham, as we mentioned earlier, being out at the beginning of the season and not getting off to a great start. Um, but both teams, I think, I don't think either Detroit or New Orleans expected under the given circumstances to be lighting up the league and dominating or that kind of thing. But I think both teams thought that they would be, they would be more competitive and have a better record probably at this stage of the season. So with that said, I mean, what do you think are the goal are, are some of the goals or what is the goal for Detroit the rest of the year in terms of they want to just be able to win more games or obviously developing guys is I'm sure is at the top of the list. Yeah, that's definitely at the top of the list. And I don't, they didn't, ex- they knew what this was. Um, if, if you look at this year's roster, it's essentially the same as last year's, which won 20 games. The only difference is you swap Olenek for Mason Plumley and Olenek hasn't played in four weeks and you add Kate Cunningham. 
And as good as he is, I mean, he's still leading the team in turnovers. He's still he turns the ball over a lot because naturally that's what happens with rookies, especially when they handle the ball that much. So they knew what this was. They knew it would be a rebuild. I think the most important thing is to to build chemistry with the young core that they see going forward. I think the, the most important thing is seeing individual development is continuing to build the culture of playing hard like they showed last year. And no matter win or lose, no matter who walks in that building or what building they walk into, they're going to, it's going to be, it's going to be a tough game when you play the Pistons. I think that's very high on the list. Um, yeah. I, I think this team is a team that needs talent. You kind of look at the roster and I mean, there's maybe, there's maybe five guys you're pretty confident are, are NBA level rotation players are better. Um, but that they, they, Blake Griffin's money is still tied up. Um, they got a lot. They got 40 million in dead cap. So they knew what this was. They knew it was going to be tough. And I think the most important thing now is just trying to find some rhythm, some chemistry and, and just continue to build on a culture of playing hard. And you guys know the Detroit basketball historically has a, a certain style, a certain sense that the fans want to see. And, and just getting back to that. Before we let you go, let's talk about tonight's matchup between these two teams. Again, as I said at the beginning, both teams are uh, pretty desperate for a win right now. What, what what sticks out to you about tonight's matchup here inside the Smoothie Kings? It's going to be interesting. I, I'm very fascinated in the in the matchup between Jeremy Grant and, and Brandon Ingram. In a way, it's kind of like the Spider-Man meme, um, <laughs> just the way that they're both built and, and what they can do. I'm a big Brandon Ingram guy. I think he's one of the more underrated players in this league. Um, I'm very – I enjoy watching him play. Uh, but I think it's going to come down to turnovers. Can the Pistons not turn the ball over and create easy shots uh, for the Pelicans? I think if they can make the Pelicans set up more in half court, uh, they give themselves a chance. You don't want to get that team running and moving just with some of the guys that they have. Um, and the Pistons turn the ball over. They can, they, they've they been doing better as of late, but there can be spells when it gets up to 18, 19 a game. So I think that's most important. And if the Pistons shoot the three ball like the average NBA team, which as of late has been – possible but for most of the season it's been a challenge um i think you see a good game and it's going to be interesting i i i enjoy watching this pelicans team despite their struggles i i like some of the pieces i obviously want to see the the big fella get back and watch him i enjoy watching him uh but i think it's a matchup of two teams who who show signs of of competence at at, at times but can they sustain it um and i think whoever is consistent in their play more tonight probably pulls away and you could see i think if, if one team is fairly consistent in how they play and, and taking care of the ball and, and hitting threes, I think you could see a big win, a 10-plus win, but both teams have struggled to do that this year. Should be an interesting matchup, as you mentioned, sites the Pelicans and the Pistons from the Smoothie King Center. It's James Edwards, who covers the Pistons for the Athletic. James, I appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of the day here in New Orleans, and we'll see you tonight. Appreciate you guys. Look forward to it. Thank you. Always great having James Edwards on, and Jim made a great point. Hopefully we're not discussing uh, the NBA draft lottery with him soon here for the Pelicans and the Pistons, but here we are today at least getting ready for tonight's ball game. And, Jim, I feel like before we get out of here, of course, we have to address the unfortunate news that came out yesterday about Kyra Lewis Jr., who was out indefinitely with a torn ACL and a grade two MCL sprain. And, look, you know, even in the first few minutes that he played the other night against Denver – I don't know what it was, but I was like, wow, he looks really good tonight. He shot a three, had a nice drive to the rim. Um, and I felt like after talking to Willie yesterday, he kind of established himself as the backup point guard. And now here we go talking about the news. Just heartbreaking for a guy that works so hard and such a very talented guy that has 
a lot more basketball to be played. Just sad to hear the news about Kyra Lewis Jr. yesterday. Yeah, as you mentioned, I mean, there are a lot of different elements why this is such a, a such a terrible piece of news and such a bad thing to happen to him. He was really coming into his own. I thought he was um, he had his minutes were kind of sporadic in his playing time earlier in the season. It seemed like he struggled the first week or two, but he really had gotten to the point where you could rely on him to give you good production every game. And he was coming in and changing games, I thought, with his speed and just some of his defensive plays where he comes in from weak side and gets a steal and beats everybody down the court. They had a, uh, they had a really nice play where they were kind of doing a dribble handoff with him on the right side of the court. And he was just flying by whoever was guarding him. I forget which game it was, but I, I, Oh, it was one of the Utah games. Uh, Donovan Mitchell was defending against him in that situation. And he kind of just kind of la- like, I don't want to say lazily, but just kind of had like a lax, I'm just going to take a couple steps back and get in front of him and boom, Kyra just flew right by him and got all the way to the basket for easy layup. So um, loved what I saw, what we saw of him recently. Um, It's just, it's so, it's, it's a sad thing to have a guy who, you know, this early in his career has an injury like that, which when people talk about ACL, it's always a, a scary thing. And I think one of the things that was Willie Green said that I thought was interesting yesterday was, that Willie Green himself had an ACL injury. It was, I, I looked this up. It was during the summer between his second and third season. So in what was his third NBA season, he only played about 10 games because he didn't come back until April of that year, but he actually ended up having a big impact for the Sixers at the end of that regular season. And then into the playoffs, I think he had one or two big games in the first round of the playoffs that were part of wins so I think kind of the moral of the story, the lesson from that is that even though, you know, nobody wants to see, no one wants an ACL injury, obviously, because of the impact that it has and the fact that it keeps you out for a long time. It's not something that is career ending or career debilitating the way it might have been 20 or 30 years ago, in, you know, in the 80s when that was such a frightening thing. So um, everybody is rooting for Kyra and everybody is you know, I'm sure encouraging him and going to tell him like, Hey man, you know, you just, just be patient. You'll, you'll get back on the court. You'll be back to yourself. And then I, I obviously we don't know how long it'll put him out for. And I'm, he probably doesn't know either, but um, just hoping that, you know, by the beginning of next season, we'll, we'll see him back on the court and we'll, he'll be able to just jump right back to doing a lot of the positive stuff that he was doing already this year. Absolutely. And, with that being said, now, you know, the next man up mentality comes back again. You know, we've seen it with Brandon Ingram out for seven games. Zion hasn't played a game yet. And now you're back up point guard out, which means uh, we talked to him yesterday too, Thomas Sadoransky. I mean, that's your that's your backup point guard. You might see a little bit more Jose Alvarado. I think the, the bench now becomes even more important when you when you lose a big piece like Kyra. Yeah, it does. I mean, they're going to have to adjust. And obviously Sadoransky's minutes, I think, are going to go way up because – he, he really is the, besides Alvarado that you mentioned, the, the only other um, point guard off the bench, or at least a guy that plays primarily at point guard. So um, it'll be interesting to see how the bench does now that they don't have Cairo, who's been a key piece, especially lately, like I said. Um, the bench has been much better. I, I know that it was criticized a lot in the first few weeks of the season, and understandably so, because it wasn't very productive, and I think the consistency also wasn't there. But, you know, just to give a couple stats that kind of back up the way that they've played lately, 
Um, since Billy Hernan Gomez was put into the rotation on November 22nd in a home game against Minnesota, the Pelicans bench is second in the NBA in scoring average at 42.6 points per game. And I think one of, what makes that even more impressive to me when you really dig into it is that the Pelicans bench is only 11th in minutes played per game during that same stretch. So you're getting, you know, more, even more production from that group than you even bargained for based on how many opportunities and the minutes that they're getting. Um, and obviously Billy's been a massive part. He's probably been the number one part of it. If you're talking about um, what they get out of the backups while they're on the court, I mean, he's been so impressive lately, the way that he can get double doubles and only play 18, 22 minutes a, a night. So I don't know how much more you could ask from him, which is something that Willie green also mentioned recently. All right, well, here we go tonight. The Pelicans look to get back on track, try to snap a two-game losing streak as they welcome in the Detroit Pistons. Again, tip-off set for 7 p.m. If you can't make it to the arena, you can watch it on Valley Sports New Orleans or listen on ESPN New Orleans 100.3 FM. Jim will have a shoot-around update depending on when you take in this podcast. Bill will be available all day on those same platforms, and then he'll join me on the post-game show tonight, hopefully talking about a Pelicans win. And since we won't talk to you again until Monday, there's another game on Sunday at 6 p.m. against the San Antonio Spurs. Back on the road for one game, they'll head home. Even though it's technically a two-game road trip, they'll come home after Sunday night, and then we'll leave again on Tuesday to take on the Thunder next Wednesday. But more about that on our Monday podcast is when we'll talk to you next right here. Really appreciate your time. Hope you have a great weekend. Big thanks to Jim, as always. You can follow him on Twitter at Jim underscore Eichenhofer. Until Monday's podcast, for Jim, I'm Daniel Salerson. Have a great weekend, and thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by Seeky.